So friends, as I mentioned earlier, it's really good to be with you, and we are just starting a brand new worship series that's going to take us all the way through December, entitled Unfold, A Year of Discovering Story. It's an opportunity, I think, for us to get really serious about how we read the Bible, how we participate in worship, where God is showing up in our midst, and it's an opportunity for us to get really uh, introspective, to examine our own life, to think about how we, as a people of faith, make sense of our own realities, our own context, And then our hope, right, is that God's story and our story move ever so close together that they begin to intertwine and we begin to share God's story by simply living our life. So I guess that's a pretty audacious goal, but we are in week two, so we've got a lot of time to get there. Right? And like I said, in some ways, right, we want God's story to become our story. That is what we are after this year. And to help us do that, we're going to be asking some really big questions about faith, like who is God and what is our human nature and what is sin? How do we make sense of that? And why do we need saving? And how does God do the saving? And what is grace? What is wisdom? What's required of us? as a people of faith? Do we have a responsibility to prophetic action? Why do we do this thing in community, right? How do we live generously? These are the type of questions we're after over this year, and they are going to require, right, us to be kind of all in on this series. And although we are after some big questions here, I I want us to be um, really clear and, I, and really today is about setting the stage for this, right? Uh, we are not after right answers. We want to ask really good questions, but we aren't seeking right answers. My role, the staff's role over this year isn't going to be grading your responses to these questions. Our primary task is that of a guide. In some ways, we're simply on this journey with you, together. And along the way, our job is to provide you with the tools that we think would be helpful, right? And so the journal that you have at home, we hope, is one of those tools. And here's what we want you to do with the journal, right? We want you to primarily document your experience during worship. So if it's something that jumps out of you in the pastoral prayer that Josh just beautifully delivered for us, or it's something we hear in a hymn that Rebecca's chosen, or it's something that kind of pops up during a sermon, we want you to jot it down, simply to make note of it. And we want you to have this journal in your hands when you are participating in worship. So whether you're online, which we all are right now, Or when we're back in person, we want you to bring your journal with you. We want it to be in your hands so that you can continue answering the questions that are printed in there and you can continue to make notes of where you're seeing God kind of show up in our midst. 
To go along with the journal, we have a, a really great resource page there. You will have an opportunity to read blogs that are written by the staff. You'll other articles will be posted, there's podcasts, there's going to be recordings of classes that are taught, there will be TED Talks, there's going to be a lot of supplemental material because we know that this journey is going to ask a lot of us. We want to make sure that you have the sustenance you need to sustain not only yourself on the journey, but also to give you kind of insight into how to answer some of these big questions we're going to be asking all of that can be found at wrumc.org unfold. So we're in the prologue, so a lot of this work is just simply setting the stage for our time together. Um, and today, to help us do that, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter. And we're going to be looking for God's story revealed or illuminated in Scripture this morning. And today's text is a beautiful story of Jesus and this encounter he has with a blind man. So hear these words from the Gospel of John, the ninth chapter, verses one through 23. As he, he being Jesus, right? As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither. This man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day and night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some were saying, it is he. And others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. So they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, I put mud on my, he put mud on my eyes and then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened, he said. He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is now that he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. So, that was a lot, right? A beautiful story, though, and the images of Jesus healing folks throughout the Gospels are rather palpable, especially when we are uh, reading the text, I think, in the context of worship. It is easy for us to get to a place where we're imagining or envisioning what this scene was like, how it was unfolding, and often always, right, almost always, we see and hear and imagine what we've been taught to look for. From the first years of our theological development, children's Sunday school to today, we carry with us these perspectives. The problem is not that we have these perspectives. We, the problem is we're really limited in our ability to know God, at least in this kind of quantitative way. And so as we pick up this story of Jesus, this one where he he spits on the ground, makes mud, heals a blind man, we reach for that which helps us visualize and organize this story. And often we reach for the same things, the same images, the same um, expectations of Jesus that we have grown up with. And so I want you to take a moment Hopefully you have your journal in front of you. If not, just think about these three questions real quick. When you heard this story, what does Jesus look like? Physically. What does Jesus look like? What does Jesus sound like? Does he have a commanding voice? Is he soft-spoken? Does he speak with an accent? And what was Jesus' demeanor like? Was he confident? Was he bothered? (laughs) Was he apathetic? How we answer these questions really is not derived from the text we just read. It's something we've inherently (laughs) been given, right? And and, and we kind of carry it with us every time we open up scripture. And then we often overlay these images, definitions, opinions over the text we read. And like magic, somehow then Jesus is affirming our own worldview. Now, it is impossible to stop doing this, but we can, one, become aware of it, and two, we can ask better questions. You see, when I was reading this text, I couldn't help, and I'll be honest here, I couldn't help but picture Mel Gibson's portrayal of Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. And I think, in fact, there is a scene in that movie portraying this exact encounter. And when I lead with this, And it's hard not to, but when when I lead with this image of Jesus, I'm boxing myself in, reaffirming what I've come to know about Jesus. And I think one of the important ways we can attune our ears, we can open our eyes and see, we can experience God's story as a living, breathing, transforming reality is to ask a very simple set of questions of a text right after we read it. What is John 9 saying about God? 
What is John 9 saying about us? What is John 9 saying about the community? Now, at first, I was answering these questions from the kind of baked-in perspective I have of Jesus, right? And simply put, it is this. This story is about Jesus restoring sight to a man and the Pharisees not getting it or not wanting to get it or being frustrated that Jesus is walking around the earth healing folks on the Sabbath. And this was indeed going to be the kind of crux of my sermon, which would have been fine because it's a familiar sermon. The text allows us to get there without much resistance. But later in the week, I began to ask a different question. Is this story about Jesus, the incarnate one, who is he, who's healing um, the perceived ails of a society and making everyone upset along the way, or is this story about something else? When I started to ask that question, I realized that this story could be about time. I can talk and preach about this story, but really it isn't a story about talking or a story that lends itself to preaching because really it is a story about before and after, then and now. Years ago and today, always and then suddenly. And there is this moment, this space between these two realities that I can't talk about either, at least not in a way that provides an answer that makes sense. And so here is what we are left with. There is this man you say that you met <laughs> and he touched you with mud mud he made from his own spit and then there was light the rest of the story really is a song amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see and then <laughs> After this man affirms the reality that he has sight, the questions start. The inquisition, right? Wait, what happened? What did you do to, to do this, deserve this, fix your sight? What did he do? Ex explain that to us. The telling of this story can use a lot of words. In fact, John 9 does use a lot of words to tell it, but honestly, we can't explain this story. We can only, in our best days, describe with accuracy what happened. I tell you this because I don't want us to get so focused on this year-long worship series that we are trying to explain with perfection why God is an all-loving God. We do not need perfect answers to why we sin and are in need of divine grace. You don't need to have the right answer to describe why you believe in a physical bodily resurrection. We are not after the right explanation because frankly, how does one describe how Jesus did what he did? What we can describe is this. 
I was once lost. I was once blind, but I've been found. Now I see. Now the challenge posed by the text is to see this context around blindness as a place to be rather than an ethical pitfall. I have a friend who is blind. His life is indeed as rich as mine. No doubt he has had to learn to adapt in this world, especially a world that is created for sighted people. But he often rejects the notion that he needs my help. Rather, I'm invited to simply live with him. And I think we're invited to experience the state of being, not understand blindness as an ethical reality, but merely a state of being. So when Jesus, when he spits on the ground and makes mud, he was bridging two different worlds, not fixing something that was broken. And so what is it like to walk across the bridge between before and after? That is the real question for today's text. The blind man thought that his world, the one he was born into, was absolute and permanent, an unchanging reality. And I think this is something we can all relate to. His blindness is not a metaphor for unbelief. It simply describes a simple fact or state of being. And so rather than fixating on Jesus's miracle, trying to solve it or defend it as uh, factual or explain why, let's just allow this moment, the one where this man receives sight, to be for us a threshold between two separate worlds, always and now, for years and today, before and after. The dramatic act of spit and dirt and mud on the eyes is a simple turning point in the plot. It can't be explained in a way that makes sense. And I always felt like Mel Gibson was trying to explain Jesus to me. Things get messy when left with just our descriptions. And we don't do well with messy things. Everyone wants to know how or why. To everyone, this man's story, it's just not good enough. We need a better reason, a more believable story. We need facts, we need proof, or we need God to explain God's self. But every time we act like the Pharisees in the story, when listening to someone and then responding, we try to tell their story for them. We try to write their story for them. And so, as we share more and more of our own stories with each other, as we listen to others, we must check in on our own discomfort and our own questions. Because obsessing about our own discomfort ruins our ability to hear, to be fully present. Our collective work over this next year is to become really good storytellers, to tell our story, not someone else's. So we must listen well. And then, in response, we must confess 
not explain. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. This, my friends, is the way. We confess Jesus. We don't explain him. In the end, as God's story becomes our story, as this year unfolds, all we can really point to is this encounter that left a blind man with sight. We don't know how, we don't know why, or I'm pretty sure we do not have any proof that will be convincing or satisfying. We are simply left with our confession. I was blind, but now I see. And friends, the best news of all is that this is all we need. Will you pray with me? God, may we come um, into your story with simple confessions, not seeking all the answers. May we trust that you are a God whose love is from a place of abundance. May we learn that we are in need of that love and grace in our life and that we have a response to it, to both live holy lives and to work for the sanctification of ourselves and our community, to bear a social witness that demands justice and mercy for all people. We can't get there with all the right answers, but we can get there with a confession. So help us be a people of your story day by day, week by week, as this journey unfolds for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.